0: Hello and welcome, everyone. I'm Dr. Tom Cheney, and this is Living Health Live. Welcome to today's show. Joining me on the show, as well as in life and in our practice at Living Health Integrated Medicine, is my wife, Dr. Stephanie Cheney. We are your trusted source for the latest information to help you get and stay healthy naturally. So we're excited for this show. On today's topic, we're going to be talking about gastrointestinal health. We see so many patients coming in with intestinal issues specifically today we're going to take on the topic of leaky gut syndrome we see patients coming in and
1: they're asking
0: us and they think because they've gotten on the internet they've read about leaky gut they want to know do they have this so we're going to talk all about leaky gut we're going to go through and talk about what is leaky gut the causes of leaky gut conditions associated with this condition, and then we're going to talk about testing, how you can actually get tested for this condition. So, all right, Dr. Steph, you ready to jump in and talk about what is leaky gut?
1: Yep. And first of all, it seems like everyone can hear us. Uh, we had a bunch of people saying hello. Um, so I'm assuming y'all can hear us and you can see us, so we should be good to go, right?
0: It looks like it. And let me just uh, quickly jump in and just make sure everybody knows that this is for information only. It's for <laughs> educational purposes. It's not designed to help you. It is designed to make you help uh, make informed health decisions and not intended as a substitute for medical treatment. So I just wanted to get that out of the way. <laughs> All right. It looks like everyone. Yeah, I can see everyone chiming in yeah. so they can see and hear us. Good
1: okay great so leaky gut this is um you know we're all visual people and uh, so we've got a little picture up here um and you can see that uh the picture uh depicts a line of cells that have little hairs on the top and these are the intestinal lining cells there is literally one cell thick of a lining that is your intestinal lining the rest of it is going to be these these hairs they're called microvilli. Um, which are extensions of these cells. And they increase the surface area of absorption and protection. Um, But essentially your gut lining is one cell thick. Um, And then underneath that, you can see that there's a direct connection between that layer and your blood supply. So leakiness is where, um, so the cells, the one layer of cells that makes up your gut, okay? These cells are bridged together very, very tightly with um, with tight junction proteins. That's what they're called. And it's almost like a mortar that holds these cells together. So between those um, junctions and the cells themselves, this is the barrier that protects whatever is ingested or in your intestinal lining, which is technically, I just want you to visualize, that anything that's inside your intestines from your mouth to your bottom is outside the body proper. Um, Even though it's on the inside making its way from one end to the other, that is outside of the actual body itself from the organs, the blood supply and everything. And the main barrier to protecting you from all this stuff that is coming into your, not just food, but bacteria and fungus and yeast and mold and parasites and viruses. Um, The main barrier is that one layer of the cells that make up your intestinal lining, the mucus that these cells secrete, and then um, the, the brick, the mortar that holds these little bricks of cells together. Okay, so that makes up your gut. Anything that causes the breakage or um disintegration of the junctions the junk that hold the cells together Um, basically if the mortar essentially wears away then that will you can see how the arrows down depict where that's happened between a couple cells and so critters and food particles and parts of the actual junctions themselves can literally end up directly going into your um, your bloodstream and this is now what we call leakiness, when you have that barrier, that protective barrier with that one cell uh, thick lining, um, if that is breached or ulcerated or broken, or if the cells themselves become damaged or compromised, and and those can ulcerate away, then this creates literally a leakiness from outside the body in, okay? So um, unfortunately, there are lots of things that can cause this and then once that happens it can sometimes be a self-perpetuating situation so go ahead no go ahead so what what leaky gut does is it essentially it it is a increased permeability Um, of the gut lining. So stuff gets into the body directly, which should not be getting into the body directly. Everything should be broken down, digested into very, very minute particles and actually be able to um, be absorbed through the actual cells themselves and then uh, permitted into the bloodstream as certain nutrient particles that we need to function. And you're supposed to be keeping out all the bacteria, the yeast, the fungus, the viruses, all of that's not supposed to be allowed in. So, undigested compounds, toxins, infections, parasites yes, actual parasites can get into the body itself. And that can cause a huge amount of systemic inflammation because now you have foreign things floating around the body. 70% of your immune system is lining the gut. And so this gets all activated. And now you have hyperinflammation. And hyperinflammation then damages the gut even more. And it can actually be why the gut cells themselves can actually break down. So then you have this self-perpetuating issue with the leaky gut causes inflammation and then inflammation causes more leaky gut. And it becomes kind of this chicken or the egg thing after a while.
0: So you want to go through some of the causes of leaky gut? I mean, there's there's a lot of different causes and things that can can create that permeability. So let's go through some of the Top yeah,
1: one. and I, I really like this picture that we posted up here because I think it's sometimes a little bit better than the cartoony diagrams. But you can see um, you can see those cross bridges that I was talking about. Those are literally um, barriers. Uh, they they hold the cells very tightly together, pack them in so that they're not breachable. And if anything causes those to break down, then now you can see these little particles of things. Um, that are smaller than the size of the cell can actually get through and directly into the bloodstream. So causes, because this is the stuff we always go after as causes. um, This diet, obviously, um, can be a huge factor. um, And it can be a factor that initiates the process of leaky gut, or it can be a factor that aggravates it once it's actually started. So once again, there's no one cause. It's usually multifactorial. Um, but alcohol, um, the mechanism for alcohol is it can actually alter the bacteria in the gut itself. And it can cause bacterial overgrowths of the nasty ones. And it can actually in, um, bring on overgrowth of yeast and fungus, which is very inflaming to the system. Um, and then it can also start to actually create certain inflammation compounds that go directly after the cells themselves. So it can lead to um, both the breaking of the junctions as well as the disintegration of the actual intestinal lining cells. Casein and gluten, these are both proteins that can cross react with each other. Gluten is found, I mean, most of most of our patients know what this is. Um, gluten c- is found primarily in wheat, but also rye, barley, and spelt, um, and it can, It's very inflaming. It's the the main protein in wheat, um, and it can directly cause inflammation. And you do not have to have diagnosed celiac disease. Um, You can have non-celiac gluten reactivity that can induce inflammation in the intestines um, and then be a big aggravator as well. And our our gut is, the cells are kind of glued together with um, a protein that actually is similar in some ways to gluten. So if you actually have gluten reactivity, then you can start to accidentally confuse gluten with your gut lining. So this is where that confusion can happen. And then casein is one of the main proteins in dairy. So milk products, milk, ice cream, cottage cheese, yogurt, um, everybody's favorites, (laughs) cheese. Um, That can actually also induce a tremendous amount of inflammation. So some people, when they, they get gas and they get you know, bloating, they think, oh, I I have lactose intolerant. Lactose is the sugar that's in milk. Anyone with lactose intolerant is missing the enzyme to uh, digest that sugar. And that can actually cause the bacteria (laughs) to take hold of it. And they get going and they create the gas. Um, The casein is more like a gluten reaction. It was actually the protein, not the sugar. And that's a totally different thing. And that can cause not just gas, but intense pain, discomfort, but also enough inflammation that, You may not even notice it in the gut problem, it may manifest in other systemic things later. Processed and fast foods, um, whether we're talking about the chemical coloring and flavoring, um, the preservatives, uh, there's a gazillion different preservatives out there that cause all kinds of problems and inflammation, um, and unhealthy fats, so uh, inflammatory fats, omega-6 fats, trans fatty acids like corn oil, soy oil, Um, Sometimes safflower oil, these kinds of things can cause a lot of inflammation. Um, And then genetically modified so uh, or pesticide laden. It's so important right now to try as much as you can to eat organic. Um, So because the pesticide and herbicide residue, especially glyphosate, is a major trigger for leaky gut and all kinds of things all the way down the line to celiac disease, autoimmunity, uh, brain issues and stuff. And it really starts in the gut itself. Um, And glyphosate is a big problem. So um, we have to do our best wherever possible to try to do um, organic. And then just plain old, plain old sugar for (laughs) a million reasons. Um, Sugar can feed. The bad bacteria, yeast, and fungus, uh, and also parasites. So, parasites and fungus and yeast feed off sugar. And if they get to blooming, you get all kinds of inflammatory problems with your intestines and then systemically. Um, but sugar also contributes to diabetes and other inflammatory problems. And so, there's a whole cascade of events that happens with sugar. And then, food intolerances aside from gluten and casein, if you if you, um, if you already have, for example, leaky gut, or if you have a uh, hyperimmune reactivity, so not necessarily allergies, like a peanut allergy, you know, many of our patients have been food intolerance tested and shown to be um, hyper reactive um, in a different type of immune reaction to, you know, very common foods, whether it's chicken or pepper, or tomatoes, or, you know, whatever. Um, cooked broccoli was what somebody was reacting to the other day on their list. So um, that can actually cause anything that can cause a heightened inflammation response can start to break down the intestinal lining and lead to more leakiness. So, um, and you can see that, uh, you know, many of these things could be happening all at the same time. Infections uh, or overgrowth are a big problem. Um, And, So whether it's bacteria like H. pylori in the stomach um, or Clostridia, these are different types of bacteria that we can actually test for. Um, Bacterial overgrowths that are not of the good healthy bacteria can be problematic um, as they can contribute to further pH changing and um, malabsorption issues and and directly um, invading the actual intestinal lining itself. Yeast and fungus is the same thing. People do not realize that If you get a fungal overgrowth, which is more common than not in the intestinal lining, you actually have tentacles of yeast, almost like little mushrooms that root themselves directly into the the gut lining. And so that is a huge problem for a leaky gut. And then once that process starts, it it starts to live off your intestinal lining and off your nutrients. And the next thing you know, it just creates more and more problem Um, viruses. Um, in the era of COVID, we've all heard that people can have intense diarrhea. And and that is caused by the huge cytokine or acute inflammation um, that can happen with COVID or any virus. There's other viruses that have been linked to acute diarrhea and things like that. And then once that process starts, it can kind of leave you leaky and open. And then the next thing you know, you've got systemic issues going on. And then parasites. And yes, I'm talking about actual... Um, organisms that have, that are, you know, that have their own literal organs and it could be worms or other types of different, you know, uh, smaller organisms. Um, There's uh, thousands of different parasites that people can get infested with. And it, with the testing that we're able to do now, um, so we do something called meridian testing and I'm actually able to get an idea if somebody actually could have parasites either in the intestines or elsewhere in the body. Sometimes they're in multiple locations. Um, These guys are nasty because if they are rooting into your gut, sometimes they actually latch onto your intestinal lining and feed off your blood. You become iron deficient. Um, Some of them root their way into your uh, system through your bloodstream. And so they're puncturing holes into areas of the intestinal lining. And so these guys can cause all kinds of issues.
0: So I think that's uh, important that just what you said about, you know, keeping that barrier solid because yes. that opens a door when you have leaky gut and you have this permeability, that's gonna open the door systemically. So I think that's important that everybody understands that.
1: That's the problem with leaky gut is, and that's why it can keep this whole perpetuating problem. And that's why it can lead to some of the conditions we're gonna talk about um, later. Um, but I think parasites are uh, epidemically non-diagnosed problem and we're seeing it in a lot of patients um to the point where they actually require anti-parasitic medications not just herbs to handle them Um, i could tell you some very interesting stories about what some patients are actually passing right now uh, as we speak Um, but if that's happening this can explain a lot of chronic yeast and uh, fungal infections um, or overgrowth, people have like, chronic UTIs, or chronic yeast infections, or chronic, you know, f- fungal skin issues, it can actually be worms or parasites in the system, in the gut in particular, that's causing the leakiness. And so yeast actually gets into the system as well, it kind of piggybacks um, through the gut lining. And the parasites themselves secrete their own waste products that increase our ammonia levels and create A very ideal acidic condition for yeast and fungus to grow, and so this all becomes kind of like a crazy nightmare. All of these things produce living like toxins, and so whether it's fungus or yeast or bacteria or parasites or all of the above, um, they can they can produce toxins. So your immune system's fighting the actual organism, and then it's got to deal with the toxins that are circulating as well. It just becomes this this exhausting stress on the immune system, um, and it can become a problem for systemic issues later. Um, stress, <laughs> so I'm sure talking about parasites <laughs> upped everybody's stress a little bit. Um, and uh, But stress is a big factor. Research actually shows that a mental emotional stress can thin the gut lining itself. It can thin your uh, gut's ability to produce mucus. It puts you in a constant state of fight or flight, um, which is not pro-digest and intestinal lining maintenance and healing and so you can thin the mucus lining the protective um, you know parts of the intestines and it can eventually create such a disruption in a lot of different things um, especially hormones Um, it can affect intestinal blood flow if you're in a constant fight-or-flight state you're not putting blood to the intestines you're putting it out to the fight or flight mechanisms, which is run, muscles, nerves, things like that. Um, So it redirects blood and oxygen and nutrients away from the intestinal lining. And so that can actually end up also affecting you in that regard. So stress is a stress, whether it's mental, emotional, physical, or chemical, anything that puts you in a non-ideal state for an extended period of time, it actually causes you to secrete cortisol. Remember we've talked about that in past webinars, Cortisol is your awake hormone. Um, It's the the anti-inflammatory. So you start secreting anti-inflammatory cortisol, but it actually causes the breakdown of tissues. um, And then it completely uh, throws all your other hormones out of whack. It can increase the level of sugar, which can then feed uh, bacteria and yeast and then parasites and kind of creates this whole problem again. So stress is is a huge problem. Um, both indirectly and directly against the intestinal lining. And then hormone issues in general. So we know that um, straight across the board, low thyroid hormones and low uh, reproductive hormones like estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, all of them actually impede blood flow to the intestinal lining, proper maintenance and repair of the intestinal lining. Um, And so if you, I mean, you're, you're always getting dinged up as the day goes, you have to be able to regenerate and repair very rapidly. And if you're not able to do that because of low hormones, then or imbalances, so you can have relative hormonal imbalances. So digestive issues, um, uh, you know, uh, the actual health of the cells themselves that line the intestines can be dramatically affected by low thyroid. um, And then the uh, sex hormones. Medications, so just like cortisol can really mess up your intestinal lining, uh, actually having to take a corticosteroid or a prednisone or cortisone, whether it's oral, injected, cream, once it gets into the system, it actually has that systemic effect um, and can start to affect the gut lining. And then obviously antibiotics, Um, antibiotics all the way back to childhood can really throw off your gut flora. So the bacterial balance in your intestines. And this is where we can become overgrown in bad bacteria um, or more disease causing bacteria or yeast and fungus. Um, So we have like things like overgrowths of clostridia, which can induce diarrhea, yeast and fungus, um, which can lead to um, really chronic issues. And then antacids so whether it's things something simple like tums or um, a prescription like prevacid um, the antacids actually uh take away your first line of defense against a lot of these um a lot of these microbes but also uh your ability to actually properly digest the food so you can have large larger chunks of food going through the intestines, actually causing abrasion to the intestinal lining and whatnot, um, and completely messing up the whole digestive process. So your stomach, which is you know the first place that food gets dumped, should be able to produce and withstand very, very, very high acidity. Um, that's a very low pH environment, hydrochloric acid. You can't get much more acidic than that. Um, and oftentimes people, if they've got an overgrowth of bacteria or Um, uh, They've already got some ulceration starting. They're not able to produce stomach acid. If they're in a constant state of chronic stress, you're not in digest mode. You won't produce enough stomach acid. And you can have food just literally sitting there like a ball in your stomach and not getting totally starting to get eaten by this acid. Um, And what happens is it starts to actually ferment and rot in the stomach. It sits there for too long. And you start to off-gas sulfuric acid from the actual food itself. And that acid comes up and refluxes and then people feel like they need an antacid. That may give you symptomatic relief in the moment, but long-term, it is terrible because you lower your stomach acid, you impede your ability to get that food into a highly acidic ball of breaking down, especially proteins, minerals, things like that. You can become deficient in minerals. Um, like iron, uh, magnesium, calcium, you can become deficient in essential B vitamins like B12. Um, And then that ball of food that that should be really, really highly acidified now from the hydrochloric acid, that should now be passing into the small intestines where that acidity stimulates the gallbladder to secrete bile and the pancreas to secrete pancreatic enzymes to help neutralize and then digest the other components of what you ate. Without that high acidity, those glands do not get triggered. And so you have just un- not fully digested food traveling now into the deeper part of the small intestine, into the colon and the bacteria and yeast and the parasites go haywire, and you have this whole process of inflammation all the way down the line. Xenobiotics, these are other just chemical um, uh, onslaught of things, whether that's other drugs or other just environmental chemicals that we get exposed to, um, like we talked about GMOs and glyphosate and things like that. There's a neurological component. Aside from the stress, um, there actually is a tremendous amount of research that shows that physical brain trauma, or anything that causes um, decreased brain function, whether it's a physical trauma or a slow degenerative process, um, like leaky gut, can, can cause parasites to get into the body, and then they can cross the blood-brain barrier, um, or you can get bit by a mosquito or some kind of you know entryway of, of actual parasites, even even small microscopic worms can get into and cross the blood brain barrier into the cerebral spinal fluid. And you can end up with things like multiple sclerosis, ALS, Parkinson's, and these things are now in the the brain causing the brain to slowly degenerate. Alzheimer's dementia, same thing. All of these things or an acute trauma or an acute stroke, which over time, again, if it's not handled properly can lead to degeneration of the brain. The brain regulates the entire intestinal lining and all of its processes. So trauma can actually induce damage. It can affect the blood flow and nerve flow, a nutrient flow to the gut lining itself. And so the cells themselves can die um, and become weaker and not be able to regenerate. And so leaky gut can be a part of that. The other thing is it can slow down the contractility of the intestines. So there's a lot Everything becomes slower sluggish more constipated backed up and toxins can build up and then penetrate and enter the system through that process as well so we want to make sure that our brains are super healthy um, but a whiplash in a car accident can believe it or not lead to leaky gut which then could lead to other things that leaky gut can lead to which we're going to get into
0: um, but I'm sure I'm sure many of you out there have heard the there's a tight connection, close connection between gut and brain. And there's even, I think there's a book out there. They talk about the gut being the second brain and it's very closely connected. I also yeah. want to just want to real quickly, I just want to make sure everyone can see and hear us. Okay. Um, I see, you know, Mary's having a little bit of trouble hearing. So if, if you guys can just chime in make sure you can still here and see us. Okay. And if you are having trouble, just click that reconnect. That'll get you back in and it should stream things if out. If you
1: still have trouble, we will be sending out a replay link and the replay link usually works. No problem. So, yeah. um, well, cause it's being recorded on our end.
0: Yeah. We'll put it on YouTube as well. So, mm-hmm. um, you guys will have access to it on YouTube. You'll get the, re- you'll get the replay link as well.
1: So, um, this is, this is pretty interesting as far as, you know, um, Uh, This is a little different than the leakiness, but it is something that is interesting. So uh, clostridia, bacteria, yeast, things like that in the intestines, they can actually, along with their toxins, travel up the vagal nerve, which is is the main nerve that's part of the brainstem nerve, the unconscious um, part of the nervous system, and actually enter the brain by climbing from the gut literally into, into the brainstem. So what happens in the gut? definitely impacts directly and indirectly, um, what goes on in the brain and vice versa. Um, so yeah, so it's really important that whatever we do, um, to protect our brain, you know, you make the gut is part of that. Part of that protecting the brain, um, is part of that. And then protecting the gut is obviously anything you can do to protect the brain, metabolic issues. So diabetes, autoimmune conditions. So autoimmune conditions are often very dramatically impacted and potentially triggered by leaky gut. Imagine all this stuff going into your uh, bloodstream and triggering your immune system, food particles, your own tissue, your own broken down intestinal lining, uh, viruses, bacteria, yeast, fungus, parasites going into the bloodstream. Now your immune system is on a tear. And if those organisms get set up in a tissue they can start to attack that tissue, even though they're trying. You're really trying to attack, you know, a foreign invader. If you or your immune system starts to think that certain proteins that were part of your intestinal lining or food um, are an enemy to be attacked, then you could start creating antibodies not just to that food, but any protein that makes up your body in your body tissues that's similar um, to. Um, You know that particular protein. So now, going forward, every time you eat that food, you you trigger an attack on your own tissue. This is um, a big problem. So, but autoimmune conditions, whether it's an autoimmune problem in the gut itself, against the gut, or um, there's a lot of close associations with. Uh, for example Hashimoto's and celiac disease and other types of leaky gut issues and so there's again there's this this strong hyperinflammatory component diabetes because of the elevated sugars um, dysbiosis the yeast overgrowth with diabetics the the blood flow problems if i mean you literally can get like neuropathy um diabetes neuropathy of the intestines <laughs> so so a couple because things you're real quick the blood flow mm-hmm. to the intestines
0: So why don't you just go through and talk about Hashimoto's and uh, maybe define Hashimoto's and dysbiosis, just so everyone understands what those two terms are. Well,
1: Hashimoto's um, uh, is an autoimmune condition where your immune system is apparently attacking your thyroid. So celiac disease, you're attacking your intestinal lining. Hashimoto's, you're attacking your thyroid. Um, Multiple sclerosis, you're attacking part of your central nervous system. Um, So there's a lot of different named autoimmune diseases for essentially your immune system, for some reason, turning and attacking those tissues. Um, I don't know if you're really attacking the tissues itself because that's not that's not how the body was designed. I believe that you're either being wrongly directed to attack because you become reactive through leaky gut to food proteins that are similar to certain body proteins, um, but also um, that you can become... Uh, um, immune, uh, you know, autoimmune, or, or you're trying to attack microorganisms that have come in through the leaky gut. So yeast, bacteria, viruses that have infiltrated through your intestines and kind of in- penetrated, a, a, a you know, anything. So like, you know, viruses can induce autoimmune hepatitis, which is liver inflammation that's autoimmune. So your immune system turns accidentally and destroys your own tissues rheumatoid arthritis has been linked to mycobacteria and yeast in the actual joints themselves. So you're not really attacking your joints, you're trying to attack something in the joint. Um, Lyme can cause these same things, right? So um, so that's where the autoimmune condition can come from. And so, um, so that just segues perfectly <laughs> into this next section.
0: So we'll talk about the conditions conditions that are associated with leaky gut. Yeah. And just and- so you guys know, the the term dysbiosis. Just so you guys are all on the same page, that just means there's there's an imbalance in the gut.
1: Well, it's a it's an imbalance in the living, the bio, the bacteria balance. So there, I mean, we have more bacteria that's in the human body. Than we do actual human cells purportedly. Um, But that bacteria needs to be balanced. There's hundreds of different bacteria. And there's some yeast and candida that's part of our normal flora, but we shouldn't be really, really heavy in one. There's um, There's a very strict balance that needs to be maintained. And when things are out of balance, and you've got too much of this and too little of this then you can have weight gain or increased risk of diabetes or increased risk of Alzheimer's or increased risk of leaky gut and leaky gut can then uh, be triggered into these other diseases. And so um, all of these conditions or diagnoses can be associated with leaky gut, meaning they can either be caused by the leaky gut or they can further contribute to leaky gut. So you can see that You know, if someone's doing some work to try to heal their leaky gut and they're not getting better, there may be some other underlying things that have to be looked at a little deeper, but they can be contributed um, to chronic fatigue syndrome. So um, uh, depression and anxiety. So we talked about that whole blood brain connection. It can really throw the chemicals of the brain out of whack and um, cause actual inflammation to the brain itself and imbalances to the brain chemicals. It can cause the brain chemicals like GABA. Remember we talked about GABA being the only brain chemical that shuts the brain off at night. And if GABA becomes disrupted and low, which it can in these cases, or the others become too stimulated and high, you can end up with a brain that just doesn't shut off. It doesn't sleep well. It doesn't it becomes like ADD and it's kind of all over the place and anxious um, or depressed. Chronic pain, autoimmune conditions. Pick an autoimmune disease. There can There's usually a leaky gut situation going on. Again, chicken or the egg. <laughs> um, it depends on the condition and what really is underlying it. Um, inflammatory GI conditions. So whether it's ulcerative colitis or celiac disease, or stomach ulcers or reflux or whatever, um, these conditions actually cause leaky gut and then that further starts to deteriorate the gut. Uh, Brain fog, headaches, migraines, so pick a brain issue um, all the way down to the most severe things like dementia, um, MS, these can be very closely associated and then self-perpetuating the leaky gut. Multiple food sensitivities and allergies, if you're constantly eating stuff that you're hyper reacting to in the intestinal lining, then that will cause your gut to get leaky and permeable and then you'll have things infiltrate the system at that point as well. Um, and then bacteria, candida, this is what we talked the, the dysbiosis, the overgrowth of bad things and the constant having to deal with this, that, the, you know, this condition, that condition or whatever. Um,
0: All right. So now how do we know if we have leaky gut? Is there there a test for it?
1: Well, there symptomatically, if you have anything that I just mentioned, (laughs) uh, history taking is really, really, um, you know, a red flag for us. Um, And then there's actually some blood tests that we're able to do now where we can test for immune reactivity to your own gut proteins. So those those uh, mortar, if you will, proteins that are supposed to glue those cells together, if those are in the system and you're attacking and reacting, or if those proteins are actually found in the bloodstream, zonulin, for example, these are these are the proteins that make up those, those tight junctions. Those should not be in your system at all. They should literally be in your gut lining and that's it. Um, so there's blood tests that we can do to test for those and then for antibodies to those things. Um, and so that can uh, tell us if you have leaky gut and then and then it's a matter of testing for some of the other things that can be contributory to it, right? So yeast overgrowth, parasites, things like that. So there's definitely tests that can be done to test around a suspected leaky. Um, sometimes we kind of have to, based on your history, pick and choose what we might do. Um, we usually do something called a a urine organic acid test and sometimes we throw in a mold toxin test with that urine test because we're looking for yeast and fungal and bacterial overgrowth markers in the urine so that's one way that we can find out if that's a contributory problem Um, i mentioned meridian testing which is a new type of testing that we've brought in that i do Um, that is one of the probably right now the, the most effective way for us to determine if there's a possibility of parasites. Um, stool testing is very unreliable. Um, stool testing uh, is probably 90% false negative because unless you are passing a worm in that particular stool and the lab tech has actually gone through the entire stool, which they don't always do, they just do a sampling, um, you're, nine times out of ten you're missing something. Um, and it, if something like a certain parasite is a type of parasite, like hookworm, is called hookworm because it literally burrows in and hooks onto your intestinal lining. You're probably not going to get rid of that in just a simple stool test. Um, you know, unless you're taking antiparasitic drugs, and you you know you're shedding them. So there's lots of different tests that we can do to help kind of paint a picture of what's underlying the issue. Um, but there's specific leaky gut tests that we can actually do with blood tests because there's certain things that should never be in the blood and certain things that you should never be reacting to in the blood that can allude to the fact that you actually have leakiness in the gut, the actual lining itself, the barrier is broken.
0: All right, so now if we have leaky gut, I'm sure this is what everybody wants to know, (laughs) Can it be fixed? And if it can be fixed, how do I fix it?
1: Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it can be fixed. And most of our patients um, we're working with intensively in the beginning to try to get that barrier up, because if that barrier is not getting handled, there's always going to be this chronic whatever their main other condition might be that they, many people come in with other systemic problems and we have to address leaky gut as part of that, um, or they have primary gut issues. So first of all, we just, you know, we do our workup and we try to figure out, you know, what tests do we need to run on what patient, depending on the history. Um, But generally speaking, it's changing the diet, handling these, these cause checklists, right? So Is the person on medications? Okay, are they on medications that we need to figure out how to get them healthy enough to come off of because it's just like the antacids, the prevacids, certain steroids and things like that. Um, Dietary changes, so testing for nutrition, uh, food reactivity and things like that and making sure, you know, plate rule. So for those of you that are on, that that have been on these things before, we always post our plate rule, uh, basically our general instructions without testing for like how a person should structure their main meals their snacks and spread things out and whatnot. Um, And so, uh, so usually for the gut portion of it, it, I mean, gut can take a while depending on how inflamed it is. And if there's autoimmune attack of the gut versus, you know, other simple things. Um, But usually, you know, it takes a few months to kind of get things um, complex cases regulated depending on the severity. Obviously, there's going to be supplemental support. So, there's usually a lot of nutrient deficiencies, nutrients specific to gut lining, healing, balancing hormones. Um, there might be protocols to kill parasites or herbs to kill yeast, um, you know, things like that. Um, and then other pertinent issues like so, infections, biotoxins. So, it's kind of amazing, like um, working in uh, an office space, for example, that has a lot of mold in the building itself, you breathing that in and getting exposed to that can actually lead to severe gut and gastrointestinal issues and leaky gut. So we've had to work with people on environmental stuff, depending on what their testing was shown. And then of course, you know, we can retest to confirm improvement, but usually um, people will also subjectively know when they're getting better. You know, if you've got a a skin issue like eczema, we're finding that eczema, there's a mold component, um, yeast component, and now what we're finding with meridian testing is there's usually intestinal parasites um, that are causing a chronic leakiness, which is causing a chronic fungal yeast infiltration, which is causing, uh, whether it's eczema, psoriasis, or hives, all of these things. These skin manifestations are often um, related to gut leakiness, related to parasites, and so that obviously um, has to be handled. So um, when you do handle things, you actually start feeling better and functioning better. So, <laughs> so, um, so there's that. Some of the basic stuff, like without any, um, you know, food testing will help, and some of the testing we do will help determine if. Even the supplements you're taking could be causing problems, right? So if you're if you're taking an herb complex and you're very reactive to a few of the things that are in the herb complex, um, whether that's from us or off the shelf somewhere, well, you could actually be making things worse. <laughs> so, um, you know, we we tested a patient and we found out that bromelain, which is a very common enzyme that people take to help them digest. Is, it's extracted from pineapple. This patient was really reactive to bromelain and bromelain on a raw gut might actually, you know, digestive enzymes on a raw gut can digest the actual gut lining. So you also have to be very cautious about certain things as well. Um, so we have a basic supplement called gut repair um, and we can even go more and more basic than that with, uh, a supplement that you can get um, not on our web store, but right at the office called L-glutamine. So L-glutamine is an amino acid that actually helps with um, creating the the protein bridges. So it actually helps restructure the gut lining itself. And then there's other uh, herbal components to gut repair that actually help with the cells um, making mucus properly, so maintaining your mucus lining, and that takes time to kind of resort out. But gut repair is a very basic powder that can be added to meal shakes. It, it, uh, it doesn't really have a, a flavor per se. <laughs> it's not like that exciting. It's just, it's just kind of like get it in and get it done. Um, then we have something uh, like more of our gut health bundle, which is hepatogastra. That's an actual meal replacement. It's sugar-free and stevia-free because we we still have patients that react to stevia. It's sweetened with monk fruit, so it's not high sugar. It is a meal replacement, um, and it does have high amounts of L-glutamine and uh, good anti-inflammatories that actually help calm gut inflammation along with supporting liver function and um, the immune system, and then probiotics. So probiotics can help. Now, if somebody takes probiotics and they get worse, they get bloated, they get—they probably have some other gut bacteria imbalance like, like SIBO, which is an, a, an overgrowth of bacteria in the small intestines where it should be mostly in the large intestine. Um, so again, if you're trying things on your own and things aren't working, that's probably the time to come in and get more testing. <laughs> um, because probiotics should not cause you to have severe bloating, gassiness, you know, from both ends and all kinds of discomfort and things like that. So something else would be going on at that point. Um, and so, uh, so those are like for basic gut, like direct gut lining healing. These are some things that are available to you guys. And then stress is probably the biggest thing that everybody kind of deals with. And without doing a lot of testing, most people need some Uh, brain to adrenal support. So this is the controlling of the circadian rhythm and the secretion of cortisol and, you know, helping out with that. And so our Adaptamax is amazing. Um, I take Adaptamax every day. Um, And then the sleep and stress bundle, which is the NeuroCalm and Neuromag powders. And then the Corticom, I also, at night, I take that as my nighttime concoction with an adaptamax max in, in to that as well. So if you're having problems with sleep, um, this can help. Again, if you're trying these things and you're doing lots of things on your own and you're still having issues, then that's where we might have to dig a little deeper either with organic acid testing or extra blood work or meridian testing um, to kind of figure out, okay, uh, you know, if you've done all kinds of stuff, um, and you're still having issues and you've done all the right things that you've read about, then it, it may be something that is just missed on really conventional testing, like parasites or something else, mold in the environment or something.
0: All right, so we've covered a lot tonight. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I know I saw a few of you in the chat wondering how to contact our office. So I'm gonna put up the, the link to our schedule. So you're going to be able to see that. Let's see here. There we go. You should see it now. There's a blue button that says schedule my consultation. So those of you that um, can't see that, you can always call the office at 410-216-6607. That is our direct office to Cedric. Cedric can get you scheduled. So if you're interested in coming in, getting any of the testing, like the organic acid test that Dr. Steph mentioned, or you want to specifically test for leaky gut, we can definitely do that. Or other conditions associated with gut issues like SIBO, so the small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or H. pylori, which is a common issue. So all these different things we can test for.
1: Or so- if you're just overwhelmed by what Dr. Tom just said, because that's just a lot of different, like, and you don't know where to start, then just start with a consult. <laughs> we'll go through your history Absolutely. and kind of figure that out. <laughs> So while you guys are doing that, if you're, um, if you want to go do that now, I'm going to stay on and I'll just go through the chat because people always post questions, which is great. And I think the other, go ahead. ahead.
0: I was going to say the other thing to mention, like Dr. Steph, I think we should point this out is everything we're teaching you guys, we do ourselves. Like Dr. Steph mentioned her sleep cocktail. Um, so, you know, I do that. You know, hepatogastro. We do that. I've you got just my. Had
1: that for dinner. I got my <laughs> hepatogastro
0: right here. So, so these are all things that we're doing. That we're teaching you guys. So we practice what what we preach. So I think that's important, just to kind of point out for you guys.
1: But what I'm taking isn't necessarily everything that Dr. Tom is taking, and it's not necessarily everything that you should be taking. And everybody, exactly. there's no. I mean, there's there's general stuff like we always mention to you guys, and you can troubleshoot that on your own, of course, and um. Uh, But like I said, if those things alone aren't working, then something else, something else is going on. Okay. So someone talked about fermented food. Um, Yes. So fermented food can work for some people. um, And certain fibers can work for some people. Uh, And then some people actually uh, will consume things like broths and fermented foods and end up worse. And so it really depends if someone is in a very acute state of leakiness and ulceration, those things can actually cause agitation. Um, If there's an overgrowth in bacteria and yeast, those things can actually kind of feed the beast and make it worse. So um, you know, if you're doing things like fermented kimchi or sauerkraut, and you know, you get worse, there's probably something going on in the intestines, like Beyond the normal bacterial you know inoculation need, um so sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not. and sometimes that's a genetic thing as well. Um, so fermented foods generally, as a general rule, yes, they should help, and they should be, all cultures have their own version of these fermented foods, which was their probiotics, right? Um, and like I said, some people don't do well with probiotics, and the people that don't do well with probiotics are usually the people that don't do well with the ferments either. Um, But um, that was a really good point. Uh, Now let's see, just kind of going through. Um, Okay, so one comment was once the immune system gets tricked to stay on, how do you retrain the immune system? Okay, so the immune system doesn't really need to be retrained, the terrain needs to be fixed and then the immune system has the innate intelligence to know how to balance itself. Um, having said that, um, you know people can stay wound up if they're not actually handling the proper cause or if they're handling one cause and not the many causes. So there could be other things going on, but really nice um, natural anti-inflammatories like what's in the hepatogastro shake or what we've talked about in all the COVID webinars, you know, curcumin complex, resveratrol, quercetin, these omega-3, all of these really healthy anti-inflammatories are how we generally handle systemic inflammation, but it's also very good for gut inflammation. And so that can help rebalance. And ozone therapy is one of the best ways to rebalance the systemic uh uh, it's, it can take a an overactive or an underactive and help you get back into humming normally, um, but you have to fix the terrain. So, for example, I'm going to give you this example. I have I have a patient who's uh, fairly young and has had eczema her whole life. She's in her 30s. She came to us already gluten free, grain free, dairy free, uh, pretty much on the plate rule on her own. <laughs> she was she's into yoga. She's like this woman is holistic. Um, but she's had eczema almost her whole life. And uh, so what we ended up discovering, obviously, because she handled she was on turmeric and she was doing all the stuff. If the body is not if it's still being triggered, it's not because the immune system needs to be retrained. It's because something is still triggering it. Right. So for her, when we tested beyond the food, it was uh, a condo full of mold totally had her jacked up with her particular genetics was keeping her in a cytokine inflammation storm and then she actually had worms and that's what tested with the meridian test and she took antiparasitic medications and actually passed roundworms and then ah, the body can calm down and start to rebalance itself um, you know once you've handled that you can have worms in the intestines which is outside the body You can have worms inside the body, whether they're in the spleen, the liver, the lungs, the lymph, the brain, the cerebral spinal fluid. Um, It's very challenging to really assess properly. And I do feel like it's an epidemic that is completely being missed with people. So there is an idea that you have to kind of steer the immune system back into proper, the immune system knows what it's supposed to do and it knows how to stay balanced. But the terrain the whole the environment has to be set and so that's where it's like kind of peeling back the onion um fecal transplants so this is something that if for example someone has just been you know between chemotherapy or overuse of antibiotics or um it's just gotten there's actually places that can do fecal transplants so you can actually take yes the fecal matter from one human and implant it through like an enema type into another to re-inoculate. Um, it's almost like, but you know what? You can get almost the same effect by doing our ProBio350 powder, two packets of that for almost you know, 700, what, 700 billion of mm-hmm. probiotics and doing that rectally as a probiotic enema because it's the large colon that needs to be inoculated. And someone who has a really hard time ingesting probiotics because they get this small intestine inflammation, they need to actually go the other way. Um, Fecal transplants are not commonly done. They're very experimental in the US, even though they're very effective. Um, So some desperate parents will take things into their own hands and will do things at home. And then others will fly to places like the Bahamas where they have clinics where you can get that done. <laughs> That's we don't I don't think people have to go to that extreme. We've never really found that. But um, for for very extreme cases of gut inflammation, sometimes that is definitely needed. Um, so that was interesting. So the gut repair, um, it t- contains something called L-glutamine, like I said. It also contains aloe and deglycerized licorice and some other you know, ginger and things like that, which help calm the inflammation and help actually contribute to mucus formation. So we, we want the intestinal lining to be slime coated so that nothing adheres that shouldn't be adhering. It's a, it's a protective layer to those cells. So they're not like completely naked and vulnerable. Um, so that, um, so that, that, that's what's, and it's deglycerized licorice because licorice in and of itself can uh, cause high blood pressure. The deglycerized licorice does not. So the gut repair will not cause high blood pressure. Um, okay. Let's see what else we got here. Let
0: um, me just mention again for um, those of you that can't see the the link to our calendar, you can always call the office 410-216-6607. You can talk to Cedric. He'll be happy to help you guys out.
1: Okay, and then we talked just a reminder, because someone asked about psoriasis. Yes, so psoriasis, eczema, hives, um, just fungal, fungal overgrowth on the skin can be um, indirectly linked to uh, uh, leaky gut, which can be linked to other intestinal issues, especially parasites. So that is something that we definitely have to, um, something is causing microorganisms to get in and causing your immune system to get completely irritated which causes these skin issues. So psoriasis is like another autoimmune disease, right? It's just the the system is trying to go after something that is embedding itself in a tissue. And um, whether it's rheumatoid arthritis, psoriasis, whatever, it's usually that. Um, uh, Ozone, yes, people, people feel better with ozone. It really does calm a hyperactive autoimmune situation. But we want to make sure we're also handling the underlying causes, right? Um, So everything kind of has to work together. And then, um, okay. And then someone asked, "Yes, it's a lot of information." (laughs) I always think I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a streamlined (laughs) (laughs) webinar, but you know, it's just it it is a lot. Um, uh, We will be posting this on YouTube on our YouTube channel. And we will be emailing out the replay link. So you guys will have that. And then you could share that with other people as well. You can take notes. Um, You can take notes before you come in for your console, which is also very helpful because you guys think with your own history, you know, um, skin conditions are linked to gut conditions, are linked to whatever other autoimmune issues you have to brain fog. Like these are not all separate things, right? The whole body needs to be addressed. I kept it under an hour
0: (laughs) under an hour. Yes. Right under the wire. 56 Uh, minutes. All right, guys. Well, um, we're going to head out here. And um, so if you once again, if you can't see the link, call the office 410-216-6607. And Cedric will be happy to help you. Uh, We're looking forward to our next show. If you guys have any suggestions on show ideas, if there's certain topics you want us to talk about please send them in. You can always send those to Cedric as well. You can send them to info at mylivinghealth.com. And uh, we look forward to seeing you guys on the next show. Have a great night. Bye. See ya.